Welcome back to the Crowd Noise Podcast, everyone. I am your host, Stephen Martinez, and do I have a show for you today? We, we got a ton of stuff to talk about. I mean, we have breaking news headlines, just great stuff. And it wasn't the case six hours ago. Six hours ago, I had no idea what I was going to talk about today. It's been a very slow week in the wide world of sports. I had really no clue of, of what I was going to throw together and try to pass off as an episode of the Crowd Noise podcast. And then 12 o'clock rolled by. Uh, and Jason Witten says he's coming back to play for the Cowboys. And I had to look at my phone. I got the notification on my phone. And I had to read it four or five to 20 times to really kind of wrap. Yes, Jason Witten is coming out of retirement. I thought, wow, okay, so we have, there's that. There's like, you know, a third of a show right there. And uh, try, still trying to figure out. And then like an hour later... Bryce Harper signs with the Phillies. We got a show. We have plenty of stuff to talk about. Um, you know, it's just, I was hoping, I figured, I really was guessing during the week when they said, you know, when the Dodgers kind of jumped in, they said that a, a decision was coming at the end of the week. I felt like it was going to come Thursday. I don't, I don't know why. I just had a, a gut feeling it was going to come out Thursday, not Friday. I have no idea why, but I just felt like it was going to come out Thursday. And so I was hoping it would come out Thursday in, like while I'm recording. I was, hope, I was hoping that I'd be able to break a news story like mid-recording you know, recording session. Not the case, but we still get to talk about it. Um, so we, we have a great show. We have Bryce Harper, Jason Witten. We're going to do some college basketball. College basketball season is winding down. It's the most important time of the year. Um, it, Champ Week is coming up in like two weeks. Conference championships are they're going to be playing uh, across the country. I think it's honestly more important. Sorry if you heard that. That was my uh, that was my laptop it went off. I have another notification, not sports related, but a notification nonetheless. Um, what was I saying? Okay, Champ Week. Yes, Champ Week is honestly more important than the tournament because you you are dependent on Champ Week to get into the tournament in the first place. Obviously, there are a bunch of teams who have to, they have no choice. They have to win their conference or they're not getting in, period. But if you're a bubble team, obviously you're still aiming to win because you get that automatic bid. But you need to get at least to the semifinals or potentially the championship game to really solidify your resume and uh, you know sneak your way into the tournament as a bubble team. Uh, so, you know, it's crunch time. It's crunch time uh, in college basketball. Uh, lots of great... Conference, you know, the conference schedules are winding down. We're getting into rivalries. Uh, last night, Marquette lost to Villanova, who had been sliding. Suddenly, Villanova's like, you know, inching their way towards the bubble. I don't think they're getting in. There's no doubt about that. Villanova's getting in, uh, especially beating Marquette last night. But, uh, you know, there's tons to talk about. We got a great show. So let's go ahead and get right into it. We're starting with baseball. It's the first baseball episode of 2019. And I think it's the first baseball episode since the World Series, or maybe even a little bit before that. We've done a lot of football and basketball um, for whatever reason. I mean, for whatever reason. Baseball doesn't really carry a lot of you know, headlines. It does in the hot stove season. There are a lot, there's lots to talk about during the hot stove season and obviously during the postseason. Um, and we finally, we've been waiting all winter long. Where's Machado going? He went to the Padres. Um, and then where's Harper going? It took them forever 
Spring trading has already started and Bryce Harper just signed today, a few hours ago, and Machado just signed like less than a week ago. Um, and that's kind of indicative of the state of free agency in baseball. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what does Bryce Harper to the Phillies mean specifically. We'll save the baseball free agency and the strikes and all that stuff. We'll save that for another day. Um, for another day when we don't have anything to talk about, we'll just pull this rabbit out of our hats for later. We'll save it for next time. Uh, Bryce Harper signed a 13-year, that's right, 13-year, $300 million deal with no opt-out and no trade clause. He is playing for the Philadelphia Phillies from now until the year 2032. Yeah, when you hear the year 2032, you think like flying cars, like Teslas are like the new Hondas. Like everyone has a Tesla. It, I mean, he's going to be playing baseball until then. Somewhere there is a kid, you know, playing like Apex Legends or Fortnite. And he could potentially be Bryce Harper's teammate in 10 years from now. It's, it's unbelievable. So you have an 8-year-old right now. In 10 years, he'll be 18. You can get drafted by the MLB. Uh, Bryce Harper will still have three years on his deal. He could end up playing with an eight-year-old right now, he could be a teammate of Bryce Harper's. If you're an eight-year-old and you're listening to this podcast right now, hold out all hope. You Go be a baseball player because you have the chance to play with Bryce Harper on the Phillies. There is a, that is a possibility for you. If you're a nine-year-old, it's even better. The older you are, the better. The closer you are to 18, the better, the better chance you have of playing with Bryce Harper. But nonetheless, Bryce Harper is going to be playing for the Phillies for a very long time. Uh, they win the sweepstakes. They beat out the San Francisco Giants, and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, and they, you know, they lived up to their quote. They started right at the beginning of the offseason that they're going to spend stupid money, and they absolutely did. This is a lot. This is stupid money right here. $330 million, uh, making it the biggest contract in MLB history, passing both Manny Machado and Giancarlo Stanton. So what does this mean now for the Phillies? Well, it means you got a great player. You got the superstar, the guy you've been you've been stalking down since the beginning of this season, maybe even since the beginning of last season. You know, they've really been targeting Bryce Harper. They need a right-handed power hitter, excuse me, a left-handed power hitter to complement their right-handed hitters, and they got one. They fought, they got their guy. Uh, what does this mean for the Dodgers and the Giants? Uh, you know, credit to both the Dodgers and the Giants for at least putting their hat their name in the ring or is their hat in the ring? I think it's you put your name in the hats, but there's also another saying you put your hat in the ring. Uh, I don't know. People from the South are confusing. Nonetheless, the Dodgers and the Giants were both very much engaged. I think they just had a meeting with Bryce Harper, did the Giants last night, or was it two days ago? Recently, they had a very recent meeting with Bryce Harper. Uh, I guess it didn't go very well because uh, they, they missed out on Bryce Harper. But you look at the timeline, 13 years, $330 million with no opt-out, no trade clause. Like I said, 2032, that's the next time Bryce Harper can be a free agent. Can you really, I mean, if, if you're the Dodgers or the Giants, how much did you really miss out on this? I mean, because the Phillies are strapped and Bryce Harper, they're both stuck together, you know, for better or for worse. They are married to each other for the next 13 years. He's not going anywhere and this does make the Phillies a heck of a lot better we're going to get to that in a second but what does this do for the Phillies down the line in the year I don't know 2025 2027 you know later in his 13 year deal this is I mean it's literally historic it quite literally is historic it's the biggest deal in baseball history and to go along with that North American sports history I know I use that phrase a lot but it actually is the biggest deal in North American sports 
It's, it's monumental. Um, and then in two years, the big fish, no pun intended, is a free agent. Mike Trout. I would have to say the losers of this Bryce Harper sweepstakes, their consolation prizes, they are now the favorites to land Mike Trout. I would have to say the Dodgers are number one, uh, and then the Giants, and then the Phillies. I still think the Phillies are going to be you know, in the mix to sign Mike Trout you know, when he is a free agent. Um, they're going to be a little bit behind the eight ball, though, because they paid Bryce Harper so much. I don't know. If they paid Bryce Harper 13 years, $330 million, what are they going to give Mike Trout? I mean, 20 years, $800 million, it'd have to. I mean, it'd be ridiculous. So I think the Phillies would definitely be in the mix because, uh, you know, it's his hometown, and they've been targeting him as well. Um, but I think the Dodgers and the Giants would definitely be the favorites to go after Trout. You could throw the Yankees in there, too, just because they're, they're in on everybody. And maybe even the Nationals, now that they have a whole uh, – out in, in the outfield. So, uh, you know, it's not the end of the world for the Dodgers or the Giants. Um, they can still go out and get Mike Trout. Next year's big ticket's already already gone. Uh, Nolan Arenado, he's already signed. He's locked up eight-year extension with the Rockies. So that's what you have to look forward to um, if you're the Dodgers or the Giants. You got to, you know, you got to wait until Mike Trout comes rolling around and then, you know, take your chances there. But what does this mean for the fight in Phil's? I don't want to overreact. I hate being a prisoner of the moment. But this move, quite honestly, makes them the favorite to get to the World Series. Because it's not just Bryce Harper instantly makes the Phillies, uh, you know, the favorites in the NL. It's everything else they've done. Uh, I think we, a lot of us have really kind of overlooked what the Phillies have been doing this offseason because everyone is so enamored with Bryce uh, I was going to say Bryce Trout. With a Bryce Harper, you know, he's the big ticket. He's the star in free agency. And he's been a free agent for so long. No one has, has come around and signed him until a few hours ago. Everyone's been so focused on that. No one has paid attention to what the Phillies have done in the, in the offseason uh, until this point. Uh, they bring in Andrew McCutcheon. This is what their lineup, this is what their roster looks like right now. They have Andrew McCutcheon. They traded for JT Real Muto. People forgot about that one, as did I. They still have Reese Hoskins, who is, I mean, he's, he's a home run hitter. Uh, Gene Segura, Cesar Hernandez, Michael Franco, and now they add Bryce Harper to that. That's ridiculous. I mean, they have to have probably the best starting lineup in the NL, except, I mean, maybe outside, and even still, I don't think so. The, I think the next closest lineup is the Cubs. You know, you got Chris Bryant, Rizzo, Baez. Um, Schwarber, but even so, I would take the Phillies lineup. They got, like I said, Cesar Hernandez, Gene Segura, Reese Hoskins, JT Romilto, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, Michael Franco, and Bryce Harper. No one in the NL has a lineup as deep as that. Nobody. The only one who comes close to the Cubs and the Dodgers. But the Dodgers didn't add, well, they added uh, AJ Pollock, but he's not Bryce Harper. Let's get that out of the way right now. The Dodgers have uh, Cody Ballinger, Corey Seager, Max Muncy, Justin Turner. Uh, Jock Peterson. I missing anyone. So I mean, I still I think the Phillies lineup right now is, is they're the best. They have the best lineup in the NL right now with all the moves that they've made. Andrew McCutcheon is another one that I completely forgot about. Andrew McCutcheon's in the outfield. Oh, look at that. I mean, they probably have one of the best power hitting outfields in the entire MLB, including the Yankees. Maybe not as good as the Yankees. The Yankees got. Aaron Judge and Giancarlo, but you look at the outfield for the Phillies. You have Andrew McCutcheon, Reese Hoskins, and now Bryce Harper. I mean, good Lord. And that's just their lineup. If you look at their pitching staff, it's pretty good. They also have Aaron Nola. I mean, he's he's a Cy Young favorite. Uh, he had a monster year last year. 
Um, Jake Arrieta, who is declining. I will get, I will give you that. Jake Arrieta is not what he was in Chicago, but then they added David Robertson as well to their bullpen. So, I mean, their pitching staff is more than formidable. I think they're like, uh, they have to be the favorites in the NL to get to the World Series. I, if I were to make my bets right now of who's going to win the NL, it would be the Phillies. Now, granted, they're probably in the toughest division in the NL, uh, being the NL East. They have to go up against the Nationals, the Mets, and the Braves. Um, so it's going to be tough to win that division. I still think they will. Um, and the NL East could potentially have two to three people uh, in the playoffs. If they, you know, they, they're a division winner and the next two teams playing in the wild card. I think that division is that good. You know, the Mets made a lot of good moves as well. And then the Braves, are, they should be a lot better. They were very young last year, uh, you know, with Acuna and all these. They're only going to get better. So, uh, oh, then you have the Nationals too. The Nationals are no joke anymore either because while they lost Bryce Harper, they added a bunch of pieces as well. They did not get, I mean, it depends on, on what you see as better or worse. Do you think one star or do you like, you know, a slew of guys? They added Patrick Corbin, you know, they, they added some depth. Uh, in Washington so you know the, I don't think the Nationals are and they still have Max Scherzer so anytime you have probably what is the best pitcher in baseball you're, you're not going to be a sorry team so that whole division you know is is, is really tough I think the Phillies are going to win it I'd have to say they're the favorites to get to the World Series at this point um, but this isn't look we say we're saving uh, when does baseball start when does the season start in a few I think in a month it starts in, in like mid-March uh, we're going to be doing of course as we do with every sport our preseason predictions, who's going to be division winners, who's going to the playoffs, who's winning the World Series. We're going to do all that. But as of right now, this very second, I'd have to say, without assessing the rest of the league, I'd have to say the Phillies are the favorite to get to the World Series. Now, I keep saying that. What does that mean? They keep, they're the favorite to get to the World Series. They are not the favorite, in my opinion, to win the World Series. I still think the World Series is going to one of the AL teams. Uh, right now, I would have to say the Yankees. I think they're the best you know, roster top to bottom. Uh, the Phillies, like I said, they have a great lineup. Um, and they have a solid pitching staff, but not a great pitch. I think they could get better. They're like, uh, you know, two relievers and maybe a starter away from being World Series, con- I mean, well, they're World Series contenders already. But I mean, if, for me, a true World Series contender in the sense that they can win it. I don't think the Phillies can beat the Yankees, not with that ungodly bullpen that they they've assembled in the Bronx. I mean, it's unbelievable. They kind of swapped. They stole David Robertson from the Yankees, and then the Yankees turned around and, and signed Adam Adovino. So I don't think they're too heartbroken about losing David Robertson to the Phillies. Um, as of right now, that would be my World Series, the Yankees and the Phillies, and then I'd have to go with the Yankees uh, because of that wicked bullpen they got. So that's what that means. I think Bryce Harper, I mean, honestly, this propels them. They weren't a playoff team last year. They should have been. It's like really their own fault that they, they really flamed out and they just they just fell out of the playoffs, uh, completely fizzled out. But, you know, just adding Bryce Harper by himself, I think, would make them a playoff team. But if you look at all the other moves they've, they've set up until now, JT Real Muto, Gene Segura, Andrew McCutcheon, they are the favorites to win in the NL. Now, I know this. everyone's going to be talking about them. There's all kinds of hype just because it happened recently. I am not a hype person. I'm not a prisoner of the moment. I assess things. I call things the way I see it. And the Phillies now with Bryce Harper and their other additions, and they have a deep lineup and a solid starting rotation, though it has room for improvement, I would say are the best team in the NL. The Dodgers barely, I mean, they had to fight tooth and nail to beat the Brewers last year in seven games. The Brewers did not get better. The Dodgers, uh, you can make an argument if they got better or worse. They added Joe Kelly, AJ Pollock, 
uh, but then they lose Yasiel Puig. So I think the Phillies are the clear-cut favorites in the NL. Now time for the ads. Okay, so with Bryce Harper going to the Phillies, you think like, wow, we're done. That was the biggest storyline today. Well, it is the biggest storyline. No doubt. It has to be the biggest story of the day. It is not the only story of the day. Um, and it wasn't the first story of the day either. I don't even know what to call him. Do I call him former Dallas Cowboy tight end or former ESPN broad? Because, I mean, it's kind of confusing. It's kind of weird. I mean, this is kind of the stuff that we like on the Crowd Noise podcast. These weird, I mean, outlandish football stories. But nonetheless, whatever you want to call him, former Dallas Cowboys tight end or current, I guess the correct term is now current Dallas Cowboy tight end, Jason Witten is coming out of retirement. He's a franchise leader in uh, receptions, reception yards, I think, as well. Not t- I think Des Bryant has the all-time uh, touchdown reception. I don't know. I have to ask Ricky Smith. He's the, he's the um, number one Cowboys savant in uh, you know useless Cowboys trivia. That's not a useless fact. But anyway, the point is Jason Witten is coming out of retirement to play for the Dallas Cowboys. It's um, I mean, it's just um, this is a crazy day, and I was thinking like, man, this is gonna be a really tough podcast. I have no idea what I'm gonna talk about, and then this happens, and then an hour later, Bryce Harper happens. I mean, they this is beautiful. I mean, what a beautiful day it is to be me because I mean, what luck that these two stories just fell on my lap. I mean, just out of the sky. Here you go, just a godsend. Here are these two stories. Go make, go make some art. Uh, the, the sports gods said to me, they said, go make art with your podcast, you. And I said, I'll do it. Thanks. Um, and as awkward as that was, it is not as awkward as uh, Jason Witten in the Monday Night Football booth. Now, where is this coming from? It's just, it, it came out of nowhere, but I mean, it didn't, nothing comes out of nowhere. Everything happens for a reason. Where there is smoke, there is fire. How, so then how did we get to this point? Here on this beautiful Thursday. Oh, I didn't even say the date today. It's Thursday, uh, February 28th, 2019. It's the, uh, what do you call it? Like the, not the leap month. Or is it, yeah, a leap year day. But a leap year is the 29th. I guess this is, I don't care. Who cares? Nobody cares about the date. The point is, on this Thursday, whether it's a leap year or it isn't, it's a Thursday in February. Jason Witten is coming out of retirement. How did this happen? Well, I'll tell you. That's my job. Um. Look, he was terrible in the Monday Night Football booth. And, uh, you know, when he, he kind of signed on to do ESPN, I was very skeptic. At, I mean, from the very beginning, I knew this was just, it was not going to work. Jason Witten's not a very charismatic guy. He doesn't have to be. You know, not everyone is, you know, the, the host of the Crowd Noise podcast, you know, to, just to, you know, keep things nice and short. I didn't like that move from the very beginning. I didn't like Joe Tessitore from the very beginning. And, uh, yeah, when basically what I thought was going to happen came to fruition. They were not very good, and then they decided to add Booger McFarland, the dumbest name in all of sports, and he was absolutely just as bad as Jason Witten. I don't appreciate people tearing down Jason Witten more than they tear down Booger McFarland because, one, his name is Booger McFarland, and, number two, he was just as garbage as Jason Witten. Um, if this is a direct result from Jason Witten not being a good or not even being not a good, being a terrible broadcaster, I don't know. Um, they were like 10 minutes away from signing Jason Witten last season. So I guess this shouldn't be a, a total shock, but it is. Like, I was stunned. I was more shocked by Jason Witten coming to the Cowboys than I was Bryce Harper signing with the Phillies. 
I guess be, I, it was, it's just so weird. And I heard it last year, too. I know you did, too. Oh, Jason Witten's coming out of retirement. He's going to play for the Cowboys and make a playoff push. I guess because I, I hadn't... There was no part of me that thought that was going to happen. Like, there was not a single iota in me that believed that would happen for a second. So I guess that's why I'm more shocked. I, we all knew Bryce Harper was getting signed, whether it was today or next week or during the season. Bryce Harper was going to play baseball. So we knew that wasn't, that wasn't a shock. I was genuinely stunned by Jason Witten coming out of retirement. And I had to keep... I didn't know if it was fake or if I was misreading it. I thought maybe, okay, maybe he's doing a profile on the Cowboys for ESPN, like a 30 for 30 or something, like a three, ESPN 360. No, he's actually going to play football this season. 2019, he's going to be a member of the Dallas Cowboys again. Zach Ertz had one, t- had one record. Zach Ertz breaks one of Jason Witten's records, and he's storming back into the league and trying to take it right back. I mean, this guy can't let you have anything. I thought it was, you know, it was just, it was crazy. It's just a crazy, it's really, and I know I'm not really going anywhere. I really just said what happened and it's crazy a bunch of times. It's been five minutes and I haven't really said anything, but it is. This is just a weird story to wrap my head around. And like I said uh, earlier, I don't know if this is a direct result of him being a, just a terrible, and I hate, look, I hate when people tear down Jay. He's not good. Let's, I mean, I'm not arguing with you there. He's not a good broadcaster, but I, I hate when people are just tearing, I mean, Every Monday night, you could count Jason Witten was trending like number one or two in the nation on Twitter and not the reason you want to be trending. People were just crucifying this poor guy, just tearing him down. And honestly, the worst thing that could have happened to Jason Witten was Tony Romo because Tony Romo was not only just good, he's the best. Tony Romo is the best play-by-play analyst in football right now, period. He's the best. I think he's better than Troy Aikman. Um, who's, I think that's it. There's only three, you know, a, oh, and he's definitely better than Chris Collinsworth. I mean, good Lord. I I mean, absolutely. He's better than Chris Collinsworth. So Tony Romo's the best. And so by them being teammates and people love lazy comparisons and easy, you know, connect the dots, they said, well, Jason Witten should be just as good, if not better. And, uh, you know, I think that's unfair because Tony Romo is not just good. He's the best. So you're comparing Jason Witten to some like just these ridiculous standards. And yeah, he wasn't good at all, but you're measuring him up to something that he could never potentially live up to. I mean, it's just, it's just unfair. It's like calling, you know, every short quarterback that comes through and we're going to get to that. You already know what I'm going to talk about in a second. Every quarterback who's short is Drew Brees or Russell Wilson. It's like, it's not the same. It is not, it's not how it works. And so I thought Jason Witten, the card, the odds were stacked against him from the very beginning, and he didn't, not only was he not good, he was, or not only was he not as good as Tony Romo, he was just plain bad. He just wasn't good at all. Um, and, you know, people, so he had really negative responses there. Um, there's interest from the Cowboys, I guess. Again, I think it's an unfair measuring stick. They had Blake Jarwin. They had uh, Jeff Swain. And who's the other guy? They have, like, three. They have a tight end by committee. It was a Rico, I know Rico Gathers is one, but that's not the one I'm thinking about. They have Jeff Swain, Blake Jarwin. Uh, another guy, and uh, Rico Gathers. I can't think of the third tight end, but the point is they don't have Jason Witten. Um, and Jason Witten is an all-time tight end. He's like top five in the position ever. So to expect Blake Jarwin or uh, Jeff Swain to be as good as Jason Witten, that's just ridiculous. And I think the Cowboys did just fine last year without a tight end. You know, you know, replacing an all-timer, I think they did okay at the tight end position. Now, you know, do I think it's a bad move by the Cowboys? No, because I mean, again, he is an all-timer. Uh, when he retired, he 
he didn't fall off a cliff. It wasn't like, you know, Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki averaging eight points a game farewell tour. He was still balling. Jason Witten was still doing very good. Uh, the Cowboys bring him back on a $5 million deal. So not a huge hit uh, to the cap. So, I mean, it's not a bad move at all. Um, for either side, I guess, because Jason Witten gets to go. You know, and this, I just want to make a point here. This is proof that hurt, that words hurt more than anything else. Jason Witten would rather play professional football and not even as a kicker or a quarterback or a receiver. He'd rather play tight end where you're both blocking and catching and you're getting drilled coming over the middle. I mean, the, one of the grittiest positions in all of football is a tight end. He'd rather do that then you know be slandered on twitter so any physical wounds that jason witten may and will um abstain playing professional football does not hurt nearly as much as your words so i just want you to think about that before you tear down not just jason witten but anybody you want to rip them to shred i guess this well you can't don't know because i know what you're going to say double standards uh, I'm in the broadcasting quote-unquote business, and I say quote-unquote business because business implies that there's money involved, which there is very little of that involved. But the point is, you should think twice before you tear down people who are trying their best and trying to live up to their best friends, um, you know, like Jason Witten. You shouldn't tear them down. You should encourage them. Jason Witten would rather play professional football than be called mean names on Twitter. That's how powerful your words are. Just think about that next time. Um, you're, you're going to tear someone down. It's not the same for me because I'm in the sports broadcasting quote-unquote business. I have to try and, you know, I have to call things the way I see it, like I said earlier. It's not that I'm trying to pick on people. It's I'm, I'm just saying the truth. And the truth is, Jason Witten is not playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Whether, you, whether it sounds like the truth or not, Jason Witten actually will be playing. So what does this mean for the Cowboys? You know, obviously they get back their tight end. They get back their boy, Mr. Cowboy. Um, and people are, I like this too, people are, are clamoring, they want, not clamoring, they're, clamoring is like a murmur, you know, rumor spreading, no, they're just straight up screaming at the top, they want, everyone wants Tony Romo back now, now that Jason Witten has come out of retirement, everyone wants Tony Romo to come out of retirement, please stop, it's, that is, if Tony Romo, let me check my phone, just because new, I mean, the sports world is just so crazy, we never know, um, and no, he didn't come out of retirement, but if Tony Romo came out of retirement and played, I, I have seen it all, I would be shocked. I mean, absolutely stunned beyond comprehension if Tony Romo actually came. It's not going to happen. I mean, I know people are halfway joking. Some people aren't. They're very serious. They want Tony Romo to come back. There's no way that's happening. But by the same token, I also said there's no way in hell Jason Witten is coming back to play. So you never know. You never know. Maybe the Cowboys really don't want to pay Dak Prescott and they'll just give Tony Romo the, vet, the veteran's discount or veteran's minimum, whatever you want to call it. Or is that just in the NBA? I mean, whatever. Besides, whatever the point is, Jason Witten now plays football for the Dallas Cowboys again. Um, and at this point, I guess that has to make the Cowboys like the favorites in the, in the NFC East again. I mean, there hasn't been a repeat champion since like the early 2000s uh, in the NFC East. But I think, you know, the Giants, they're a mess. No one knows what they're doing. The Redskins don't have a quarterback. Uh, and the Eagles do have a they have two too many quarterbacks at this point they just uh, got released Nick Foles so he's a free agent um you know there was all kinds of rumors whether they were true or not that Carson Wentz was a poor teammate so you don't know what you're going to get from them they're kind of you know in disarray a little bit 
you'd have to say the Cowboys are the favorites to win the NFC East again. You know, it's it's crazy. And then Jason Witten, um, he's he's no bum. Like I said, when he when he retired, he was still playing at a high level, um, and he's only one year removed. And here's how I know he's not, there's not going to be too much of a drop off because he almost played last year. If he had like Tony Romo's been retired for a few years now. If Jason Witten had retired like three or four years ago, then I would be very skeptic. This just it's just a weird. It's not the typical Cowboys drafting a guy who's, you know, he's a, he's a convict. Like, why would you bring this guy in? It's just, it is a Cowboy move in the sense that it's just very strange. There's never a dull moment in Dallas. It's just, and this is a few days after um, Randy, Randy Gregory is suspended indefinitely again. It, the, I mean, the, the, this is the Cowboys just going full Cowboy. It's just so weird, yet, you know, it's, it's really enticing. This is just so interesting and strange all at the same time. I wish Jason Witten nothing but the best. You know, he's one of the all-time greatest. He never gets thrown into that conversation. He's not the greatest. I, I recognize that. It's Tony Gonzalez. But he is definitely one of the greatest tight ends ever, and I feel like he kind of gets brushed aside a lot. Uh, maybe this will pad his stats. And uh, unfortunately for him, now this pushes back his Hall of Fame uh, entrance year, I guess, because now once you play... Is it five? You have to be five years removed um, to uh, enter your name into the Hall of Fame ballot. So we're not we're gonna have to wait at least one more year or another five years, I guess, because once you come back, you start the five years over again. We're gonna have to wait another five years at least to see Jason Witten in a gold jacket, which he more than deserves and he will absolutely get. And again, maybe he's just coming back to defend his record that was broken this year by Zach Ertz. Um, I think it was like receiving yards or most touchdowns in a season by a tight end. Um, the great fantasy year for Zach Ertz. For those of you who had Zach Ertz, you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Jason Witten. So again, maybe this has some fantasy implications. I really have no real analysis on this. I just wanted to talk about it because it's news and it is definitely strange. And this is what we make our quote-unquote money off of uh, at Crowd Noise. It's just weird, you know, like B-side story. I mean, it's just so, so strange. And yet... It's actually happening. The, 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 the Dallas Cowboys are the place where the, the unimaginable is not only imaginable, it happens. Like, it is very, very real. Um, and, uh, you know, you look what that does to the offense. Maybe I do have some analysis here. Um, they have Amari Cooper, obviously, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Michael Gallup was really starting to heat up towards the end of the year. Now you add another weapon for Dak Prescott. It's so weird because it works. I think that is the strangest part of all this. Not only is it weird because... It's just so rare to see people come out of retirement. But it's weird because this is a move that actually makes sense for both sides. The Cowboys need a tight end and another weapon in the pass game. Great. And Jason Witten just needs a job that he's good at. The poor, the poor guy. I almost said something I shouldn't have said. But the poor guy just needs something that he can make himself feel good about. So it, it works for both sides. And I think that is the strangest part about all of this. So, uh, you know, and we're only in February. Only time that we have from now until like August for more weird cowboy stories before the season even starts. So buckle up. I don't know. Maybe they bring back Miles Austin. I have, I have no idea. Uh, and Demarcus Ware was making it. It was a joke, but he was saying that he was going to come out of retirement. You know, they're like the Dodgers. They bring back all these guys from their past, you know, you know, to revamp their careers. The Dodgers had Matt Kemp last year. Now they have Russell Martin. The Cowboys bring back Jason Witten. Uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's just so, it's so weird. Uh, for me, it kind of took away from the Bryce Harper story. Because I was like, the Bryce Harper story was like so, I mean, stunning, of course, because it came out of not nowhere. But we were, 
it finally happened. Bryce Harper, it finally happened. And then this, like, where the heck did this come from? There was no wind or any rumors of this recently. I mean, last year during the season, I, like I said, there were rumors that he was going to come back. Um, but I, I paid no mind to that. So I, this was the furthest thing from my mind. And it came, it came out and just shocked me. And I think shocked to the rest of the football world. Unbelievable. So, yeah, there's, there's your NFL story for this week. I mean... I can guarantee you next week will not be as entertaining as this because this is, I mean, it's unbelievable. This is just, and this is what the Dallas Cowboys do. They make unbelievable, I mean, just mind-bending headlines. So, yeah, Jason Witten, it's, um, this isn't a joke. He's actually he's coming out of retirement. He's playing for the Cowboys, and it works for both sides. And I think that's the part that is just the strangest out of all this. It actually is a wise move for both parties involved. So moving on now to college basketball. And the biggest storyline this season has revolved around Duke, as it normally does. Duke is like the Dallas Cowboys in the sense that they just they create headlines everywhere they go. Uh, they are different headlines in the Dallas Cowboys because the Dallas Cowboys, you know, as we just got through in the last segment, they're just the wackiest, unbelievable storylines. You, you can't even come up. You can't create the kind of storylines that come out of Arlington, Texas. With Duke, they're just the most popular team in the country. There's no way around that. And the latest storyline is uh, what is happening with Zion Williamson. Is he going to play? Is he not? Yes. I mean, I think they've pretty much already confirmed that. He's coming back. He's going to play. They would have said it already. He, he, they're shutting him down. They're not playing. And some people are, you know, they're questioning if he's coming back because he hasn't played since his injury. They're on a... No, excuse me. Um... They've lost two out of the last three, and I'm going to say that they haven't played with Zion Williamson because, like I said, when they played Carolina, I think he was in the game for 36 seconds. So let's just say he did not play that game. Uh, they lost to Carolina at home. They, uh, they beat Syracuse on the road, a game that, that was a tough win for them, uh, a game that they probably should have lost. It was uh, 75-65, the final score, though it was a lot closer than that. Uh, and then they lost last night. No, excuse me. They lost on Tuesday to Virginia Tech. Uh, on the road at, at Virginia Tech. And everyone's panicking. You know, what do we do with Duke? Do we move them down the seating line? Or uh, how good are they with or without Zion Williamson? And I have to just say pump the brakes again because I'm not a prisoner of the moment. I look at the big picture and I call things the way I see it. Duke was not going to beat Carolina with Zion Williamson. Okay, well, they beat Syracuse without Zion Williamson. So you can make the argument they would have beat him uh, with Zion Williamson. I don't think they would have beaten Virginia Tech with Zion Williamson, either. Those are very good basketball teams. The ACC is the best basketball conference in the country. I don't care what anyone says. Everyone's trying. It's like the SEC. Everyone's always trying to find another conference, whether it's the Big Ten or the Big 12 or the ACC, to compare to the SEC and tear them down. They're the best. That's it. There's no. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. They're the best conference in football, and the ACC is the best conference in basketball. Point blank, period. Right? I've said that wrong in the past, but there you yeah, point blank period, because the period is, that's how you end it. I've been told that I say that expression incorrectly, but I said it right that time. The point is, these are good teams that Duke is losing to, okay? And at this point in the season, there's only one, two, three games left on Duke's schedule. They get uh, the U on Saturday, then they play Wake uh, Tuesday, March 5th, and then the last game of the season, March 9th, is in Tobacco Road, the second round. That one's going to be in Chapel Hill. Teams are figuring out how to play Duke, okay? It's not, it's not unthinkable that, you know, you figure out how to guard Duke. And Mike Krzyzewski, while he is the greatest basketball mind ever, 
His teams are not perfect. They can be beaten. And I've said that in the past before. I said Duke, I said way back in the beginning of the season, Duke can be beaten and they will not make the Final Four. And everyone looked at me like I, did, I had three heads, like I was an idiot. Uh, and then they start losing games. And the first game they lost to, ironically, was a you know, veteran-led Gonzaga team. Just proving my point even further on a neutral floor. That was way back when, though. I'm not going to hold that against Duke, uh, you know, as far as seeding them. I think without Zion Williamson, okay, well, he's coming back. So let's get that out of the way. He's coming back, and I don't think he'll be ready. What's the date today? The 28th. When is the 2nd? March 2nd. That is, okay, this, that's this Saturday um, against my, uh, Florida. Miami, the U, uh, two days away. He's not going to be ready. Otherwise, he, they would have said by now he's going to play. You know, he's practicing. So he's not going to play against the U, so you can scratch that off. There's two games after that, Wake and uh, Carolina. If there's any game he has, if, if you want him to play one more before the regular season and get one in before the conference uh, tournament, you have to get him in against Wake. By the way, I think Duke will win these next two. Everyone's panicking because they lost against Carolina and they lost against Virginia Tech, both good teams that are, you know, they could beat, I think, Duke with Zion Williamson, they lost without him. Everyone's, you know, everyone's trying to create storylines. Are they really that good? This and that and the other. Those are good teams that they lost to. Um, they'll beat, they'll bounce back. They'll beat uh, the U. They'll beat them. And then they'll beat Wake handily. If there's any game you want Zion Williamson to come back, it's against Wake. Give him a night off against uh, Carolina. Not because that's the team where he injured himself. I'm not one of those guys. That, oh, it's the same team that he got injured against. Keep him out because he's going to get hurt again. No, because that game is going to be like a champ. Anytime, anytime it's Tobacco Road, those games, they just, mean, they just mean way more. And it's the last game of the year. Probably going to be fighting for the number one seed. And you don't want to throw him to the Wolves in this physical tough game just yet. Get him ready to go for Wake Forest. That'll be like a scrimmage, like a tune-up game for them. Uh, give him the night off against Carolina and then have him ready to go in the conference tournament. Problem solved. Um, so will those, will the committee hold those two losses, uh, Carolina and Virginia Tech, will they hold those against Duke and will they drop them, uh, in seeding? I think they should, um, because they lost those games, whether they had Zion Williamson or they didn't, they had less points than the other team when the clock hit zero hashtag analysis. They lost those games and, you know, teams are kind of figuring out how to guard Duke and how to play them. You force them, you dare them to shoot the three. Uh, a la Ben Simmons, you just you guard him in the paint when he's dribbling at half court. That's how you play Ben Simmons. It's the same way you play uh, Trey Jones. And they're forcing R.J. Barrett to do everything on his own. They're taking away all his options. They're shutting down Cam Reddish, who is streaky as usual. He had 27 against uh, Syracuse. And then against Virginia Tech, he had two points. Uh, did I say Cam Reddish? Who did I say? Did I say R.J. Barrett? Cam Reddish, the three-point shooter, had 27 against Syracuse and then two points against Virginia Tech. He's, like, so frustratingly inconsistent. Um, so they're putting it all on R.J. Barrett's shoulders right now, um, and they have zero depth. Like, there's no – Coach K is scrambling to find a roster, a starting five without Zion Williamson. They've tried uh, Jack White, who's missed, like, 700 threes in a row. He's struggling so bad. Um, then they put uh, O'Connell as Alex O'Connell in there. He's been struggling as well. Uh, they tried Javin Delore. That did not work. I mean, they're they're just really struggling without Zion Williamson. I think they'll be a two, with or without. And of course, if they win the ACC, they'll be back to a one. They're not going anywhere past a two. Um, even if Zion Williamson doesn't play again until the conference tournament or until the tournament tournament. I think they'll be at worst a two seed because those two losses, like I said, are against 
good teams. I mean, they've only lost to top 20 uh, Virginia Tech, top five uh, North Carolina, top five Gonzaga. And the only, I guess, quote-unquote bad loss you could say was Syracuse, who was unranked. But Syracuse is a very well-run team. They're a good team. They're going to make the tournament. So I don't. there's not one ugly loss on Duke's resume. Um, and then they beat Virginia twice. I mean, I don't know how you could drop them to a three or a four or even a five. I saw one guy said they could go down to a five. That's absolutely ridiculous. They're going to be a two or a one seed. Um, and I think the way you handle it and you solidify that one seed is you get Zion Williamson back for Wake Forest. You have him ready for the conference tournament. You sit him out against uh, Carolina the second time. Um, you win the ACC. And then you jump back into the top four or five and you get that one seed. I think Carolina is a one seed, quite honestly. I, I know a lot of people don't have them in that uh, upper echelon. Uh, you know, Gonzaga, Virginia, Duke. You know, I, I honestly believe that Carolina deserves a number th- three overall seed, number two. I, I really like Carolina. They're one of my favorite teams this year. I think, they, I think they'll draw a one seed, which... Actually, I hope in that case, if Carolina does get a one, I hope Duke does get a two at that point because we have never seen, think about this, we have never seen a tobacco road game in the tournament. Never in their two, in their program's history has Duke and Carolina played in the tournament. And that is the game that everyone wants to see. What, I mean, just think of how spectacular that game would be. Duke, Carolina, tobacco, let's just say Carolina wins again. They sweep Duke and then Duke gets a chance of revenge in the tournament, a, a spot of the final four on the line, you know, Duke's, uh, Carolina's one, Duke's two, you know, I think that would be fantastic. They'd make, you know how much money they would make, you know, in that game, oh my God, it's too easy. And at that point, I think a lot of that has to do with money. Duke probably will draw a two seed at that point. I think if they lose to Carolina, which they probably will, they lock themselves in as a two and they will probably get the same bracket as Carolina and then potentially setting up that, uh, Duke Carolina Elite Eight matchup for the ages. I mean, want to be that'd be one of the greatest college games of all time. So do not panic. And again, I'm not bailing. I call things fair the way I see it. Do not while I'm saying do not panic on Duke. They're not going to suddenly be unranked and be a terrible team and then not win, you know, not make the tournament or anything like that. I still don't think they're going to make the Final Four. I'm not, especially after what I'm seeing. You know, without Zion Williamson, they don't have a lot of depth. I don't think he, while he is great, I don't think he could single-handedly will them into the Final Four. But don't sell your stock on Duke. They're still a great team. They're still Duke. I mean, they're, I mean, they're the best. They're still one of the best programs in the country. I just don't think in March that freshman-led teams can, you know, handle. And you see it against uh, Syracuse. You know, they struggled. That's a veteran team. Carolina, a veteran team they lost. Virginia Tech, a veteran team they lost. Now, both of those games... Uh, or not both. Virginia Tech was on the road. Uh, Carolina was at home. But they're good teams. You know, they're not... I, everyone, everyone at the beginning of the year was saying, can they beat the Cavs? Are they an, as good as an NBA team? Absolutely not. You need to pump the brakes on your perception of Duke. But they are a good team. They're good, not great. They're beatable. Bottom line. And Zion Williamson, he will be back. We will get to see him in the tournament. I think the smartest way to handle his situation is have him play against Wake Forest, maybe on restricted minutes, uh, give him the night off against Carolina, and then have him play in the conference tournament. It's simple. I think it's a really simple solution. And, you know, Coach K, I'm not the boss of him. No one is the boss of Coach K. He's a genius. I respect him, and he's, he's the greatest coach of all time. 
he could probably come up with an idea even better than mine. They might hold him out for the rest of the regular season and then get him ready for the conference tournament. Though I would say my argument to that would be you don't want to throw him into actually competitive games. Get him into a game where it's like it's kind of a tune-up for that. You know, because Wake Forest, no disrespect, but they're terrible. No disrespect, but they are awful. So I would get him into that game. It's kind of like a scrimmage. And then, you know, get, get him some minutes, get him some burn. And then he'll be ready to go in actually competitive games in the ACC tournament and then make a run at that, which is going to be really – I think whoever wins the ACC tournament will be a one seed. And potentially whoever even loses – like let's say it's Carolina and Virginia. I think they'll both draw a one seed. But guaranteed, whoever wins that, you can, I mean, lock it up. They're a one. Uh, I personally feel like uh, Carolina is a one. That's not the way the brackets are turning up right now. You know, for Joe Lenardi, Lenardi uh, Andy Katz, I, I see Carolina as a one seed. I really do. I think Virginia is a one seed. Well, they're ranked number two right now, so they'd definitely be a one seed. Uh, and then Gonzaga, and then whoever. Oh, and then Duke currently number three, but they're, they're bound to drop. So uh, I would have Carolina and Virginia as a one, and then Duke as a two. Uh, even if they bring back Zion Williamson. And I don't think, because everyone's going to say, oh, you're just holding those losses against them because they, they, they didn't have Zion Williamson. That's not fair. They played the games, okay? And they played the games and they lost. And they still, while they didn't have Zion Williamson, they still had R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, two and three, the next, the next number two and the number three recruits in the nation. I mean, so it's not like Duke was just outgunned and outmanned. So I don't think you can really make that. That's an excuse. If you ask me, that really sounds like an excuse vouching for Duke. Uh, they played the games and they lost to good teams. Teams that I think they would have lost to anyways with Zion Williamson. So I don't think it's a big deal. We are currently, today is the 28th. Excuse me. We are three Sundays away from Selection Sunday. So make sure if you haven't been watching any college basketball now is the time. It's the time when bubble teams start winding down. The championship week, I feel, is more important basketball uh, than the tournament. I know that sounds kind of like a hot take. It's really not because, again, you have to win those games to get in the tournament in the first place. I said more important, not more fun. The tournament is the best sporting weekend in, in all year. There's no weekend Thursday to Sunday that is more fun than March Madness. But championship week is more important. I mean, it's not more important than the championship game. I'm talking about, I don't know. Just don't, don't call me out on my takes, please, okay? I, I'm trying my hardest here. Championship week is more important because bubble teams need those games to try and solidify their resume. Um, and there's only like three or four more games in the regular season anyway. So if you haven't been watching college basketball, now is the time. Don't, and I give you advice. Let me give you some advice. If you're, if you're trying to get into a bracket pool and you want to make your bracket and you, know, you just want to beat your friends or you're trying to make money, do not watch... The teams like Duke, Virginia, Carroll. I mean, if you haven't seen any of those games, yeah, go ahead and watch them. And then especially Tobacco Road just because you should watch that game anyway. It's a fantastic basketball game. But anyway, you want to watch those bubble teams. You want to get a feel for the bottom of the brackets because those are the teams that are where the upsets happen. Those are the teams you have no idea who pulled. You don't know the names of their starters. You need to watch those games. And then the Duke and Carolinas and Virginias, Gonzagas of the world, those will be a little bit harder. To, excuse me. Those will be a little bit easier to figure out because – you're familiar with those guys. If you haven't even seen a play, you know who's on Gonzaga. You know who plays for Duke, obviously, and you know Carolina. Those teams, you can kind of guess, you can use guesswork on. The smaller teams, the, the lower-seeded teams, the, I'd say from like 6 to 10, those teams, you have no idea who they are. So I would recommend you know watching those games, getting a feel for those guys. But anyway, Selection Sunday is three Sundays away from today. And the tournament... 
is exactly three weeks from today. That would be the 21st. It starts the 21st of March. It's the 28th of February right now. So three weeks from today, it starts on a Thursday and it usually goes from 10 to 10. So 10 in the morning uh, or nine in the morning, the Pacific time, depending on where you live. Um, the game start and they go uh, to nine at night. It goes from nine to nine, 10 to 10, or I mean, how 12 to 12, depending, whatever time zone you live in, it starts early and it ends late. It's beautiful. I mean, it's just basketball all day, every day from Thursday to Sunday. It's fantastic. It's my favorite weekend of the year. Um, and I can't wait for that. When I started this podcast, the one episode I could not wait for was March Madness edition, the March Madness special. I could not wait for that. The very first episode that was on my mind way back when in August, I was like, I can't wait for, for March. And I've been counting down the days ever since then. And we are, it's finally getting close. Uh, and that week, because it comes out, um, because the tournament is on a Thursday and it starts so early, there will not be a crowd noise episode on Thursday keyword on Thursday. We will have a March Madness spectacular, a special, a full hour and however many much change of just college basketball. And that will come out on Wednesday, the day before that'll be the 20th. Um, cause I want to watch those games too. I'm not going to sit in here and record and edit all that nonsense. I'm going to get it out on Wednesday. So you can expect the crowd noise episode just a day earlier. It'll be the first time in our history when it doesn't come out on a Thursday. Uh, nobody cares, but I just thought I'd say that. So it'll be it'll come out on uh, the 20th, which is three weeks from now. The tournament will be the next day. That'll be a Thursday, the 21st. I can't wait. It's going to be spectacular. Um, I highly recommend you watch the games uh, this week, next week, and then especially the championship games. And those are really important too because you see those teams on neutral floors. You see them, you know, they're not, it's not home away. They're competitive. They're meaningful games. Like I said, teams are fighting for their lives to get into the tournament. Uh, the winner of the championship gets an automatic bid, so you don't have to worry about them. It's usually the teams underneath them. Uh, those are the games that you really want to pay attention to because uh, you know those are going to be the bubble teams. You got to you got to study those those six to ten seeds. You got to because everything after that, eleven to sixteen, those are just like you know Western Missouri dance and technical school. Like those are the schools that just do upsets, um, and there's no way of watching those guys because those games are televised like on a webcam. You know, it, it's just ridiculous. You're not going to be able to find those teams. So at least you're not going to make a perfect bracket. Let me tell you right now, it's not going to happen. But you might as well try to get as many right as you can. Study those those mid-seeded teams. Those are the, where brackets are won and lost. Take it from me. I know a thing or two about making brackets. Um, and that episode, actually, the March Madness special, I will be doing a whole bracket. That's going to be the whole episode. I'm just going to be filling out a bracket, telling you who I'm picking and why. Um yeah, so we're going to be doing that for a whole hour. So you have that to look forward to three weeks from now. Uh, let's get ready to wrap it up. It's time for the quote of the week. Okay, we do this every single week, people. We do it to close out the show. I give you a quote that was said this week, and we like to call it the quote of the week. It's the best best thing I heard, I guess. Um, well, I can't actually, I can't say that. I, I don't think legally I can say that. that was, that's like copyrighted by Scott Van Pelt. Or his is the best thing I saw today. Right, but his is he has a daily show. Nevertheless, the quote of the week here we go. Um, let's finish it out strong, everybody. Quote Everyone's back is on the wall. That was Cowboys president and uh, not GM. I don't know, those all those guys they just they have like so, their jobs are so fluid, they don't have job type. If, you, if you're a Jones, you just work for the Cowboys, and it doesn't matter what you do. 
You could be a janitor and your last name is Jones. You have power to draft and trade players. That was Stephen Jones. He works for the Dallas Cowboys. His father is Jerry Jones. You might have heard of him. Uh, on Jason Garrett's job security, they asked him, you know, are you bringing it? Because they didn't extend him. That was a big, that was a very shocking move that the Cowboys did not extend Jason Garrett. They're very friendly to their players, uh, are the Cowboys to their players uh, and to their coaches. They're very loyal, very friendly. There's not, there's not really strict guidelines, I guess. Like it's very hard to get, you know, kicked off of that team. Um, and they said, he said, quite frankly, everyone's, we have, he has our support, but everyone's back is on the wall. And I thought that was very interesting that they said that. And then also, you know, they didn't extend him. And then they said this. So it's like, okay, Jason Garrett, what, what's the timeline for him? Is it win now or you're out? Like what is, and again, what is win now? Is it get to the championship game? Is he getting to the Super Bowl? Is it winning a Super Bowl this year? Like, I don't, you don't know what the standards are for Jason Garrett to keep his job. But that's not all that important. Because, and quite frankly, because we haven't seen him play this year, and we're not going to see him play for months. I mean, for a very long, we're in February right now, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. We're not going to see him play for seven months. So what do I care about Jason Garrett's job security right now? I don't care. The reason I bring this up is because that was three days ago. Three days ago, it was a Monday, right? Or was it a Tuesday? Yeah, it was a Monday. They said it. everyone's back is on the wall. They were referring to Jason Garrett. And then three days later, they bring in Jason Witten. Now, I don't know if the two are related, or, but I'm just pointing out the facts. Stephen Jones says his back is on the wall, as is everyone else's. And then three days, three days later, Jason Witten is signed. Where did that come from? Now, do I feel like maybe he went and said, what do you mean my back's on the wall? I don't have a tight end. Well, now you got one. No excuses. So I just think it's a very, again, the Cowboys are just a strange, funny kind of team. I mean, they're just really, really interesting. They, they're great for business. They're kind of like the Raiders, um, but actually good at what they do. Um, I just thought it was really strange that they said everyone's back is on the wall, and then three days later, Jason Witten is on the team. Is his back on the wall? Like, are you going to blame all of, the, all of last year's losses on Jason Witten for cutting out on you and Going, going to ESPN, maybe that, I don't, I have no idea. And I think this is a story that is going to develop over the summer. I feel like Jason Witten, maybe his back is on the wall and they're saying, well, you're our missing piece. If we don't win, it's because of you, because you're supposed to be our missing link, the glue of this team. Um, and I just think it's very strange. Why would he say everyone's back is on the wall? The Cowboys are a very lukewarm take team they don't really say a lot like this they don't say well we're trying to win now and there's pressure on everyone or you're going to be out the cowboys don't really operate that way so i thought it was very interesting so uh not only did i thought it was interesting because jason witten got signed three days later i don't know if those two are related they probably are because the cowboys they're they're weird but i thought it was interesting because like i said what is what is the requirement for jason garrett to get re-signed he just won his division and he won a playoff game at home. And then they, they lost to what eventually became the Super Bowl runner-up, the Rams. So what does he have to do? Does he have to get a first-round bye? Does he have to get to the NFC Championship game? Does he have to get to the Super Bowl? Does he have to win the Super Bowl? We don't. No one knows. And so that we're led to believe Jason Garrett is on the hot seat and we don't know what he can do to save his job. So let's assume he doesn't. Because we don't know what he has to do. If they just said, well, he has to get to the Super Bowl, then we, okay, they got, that's, their, that's the plan. Get to the Super Bowl and Jason Garrett's coming back. But since they didn't, we have, no, we have to assume that he's probably not coming back. So with that, who are the Cowboys potentially looking at? 
You don't make a statement like that and start thinking about head coaches seven months before the season's about to start and not have any idea, any backup plan. The Cowboys know there are a few candidates out there. Sean Payton, who used to use uh, the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys, uh, then he went to the Saints. Is that starting to come to an end? Drew Brees is not getting any younger. He's actually getting older. He's very he's the second oldest quarterback uh, in the league behind Tom Brady. Uh, Lincoln Riley, a local face. He's in Oklahoma, not Texas, but very close by. Um, Josh McDaniels, potentially. Mike McCarthy, former coach for the Packers. I feel like the Cowboys, they're starting to make the moves that go all in. They don't win it this year, I think. I, don't th- I think personally, okay, so what do I think Jason Garrett needs to do? I think he has to win a Super Bowl. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was, uh, sorry. Oh, what can I say? I get, you know, my throat gets scratchy. I honestly think the only way he keeps his job is if he wins the Super Bowl, which they're not going to do. The Cowboys are not winning the Super Bowl this year. I can promise you that. So he's not coming back. I think the requirements for him to come back are just, they're going to be so high that there's no way he can possibly uh, attain them. So I think the Cowboys are going to make the rights. They're probably going to get to the championship game this year and lose. They will probably lose in the championship game. That will be enough for them to fire him. And then they'll bring in someone like a, a surefire, like a headline. They'll bring in their Bryce Harper of head coaches, a Sean Payton, unbelievable, um, Lincoln Riley. They'll bring in somebody, and then they'll take the, They'll start really inserting themselves in the Super Bowl conversation the year after. So everyone's back is on the wall, especially Jason Witten. His broadcasting was terrible. I mean, we're more mad at him than Jason Garrett because, I don't know, uh, that's the end of our show this week. Um, you can listen. Thanks for stopping by, I have to say. I don't know why I threw that out there. But I just want to say thank you. You know, I really appreciate you guys, you know, for sticking around and listening and sticking around this long. If you're listening to this right now, this is the end of the show. So you've been here since the very beginning. Or you skipped ahead. You got bored of baseball talk and you skipped all the way to the end. Either way, I thank you. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, which you may already be doing currently. You can listen on Anchor Podcast. You can listen on Spotify as well. Um, there aren't any huge college basketball games on this weekend. Not really. There's no like Duke Carolina or Virginia Carolina. Like there's no huge games. But um, you know we have, we live in a beautiful time on this world. We have unlimited entertainment at our disposal. We have YouTube. Um, you have Netflix. I'm sure you have Hulu. Like, there's plenty of stuff to do. So I will talk to you next week. But in the meantime, I want you to find something to entertain yourself with. Once you're done with this, because I hope you consider this <laughs> entertainment. You probably don't, but I hope you do. Um, there's plenty of stuff to do. I hope you have a great week. I can't say enjoy the games because there really aren't that many great games on. I'm Again, I'm keeping it really honest with you. Um, so I will talk to you next next week. And uh, I hope you have a fantastic day and a wonderful week. I don't think I send you off with enough uh, love and positivity. So that's exactly what I'm doing right now. I will talk to you next week.